This is a quick disclaimer. Although the wise investor is trying to educate people on personal finance, what we talk about on the show is not actually financial advice for your personal and unique situation. Before trying to do anything with your money, always consult a professional. Hey, this is Anthony. And I'm Sal. And you're listening to the Wise Investor Podcast, where we help Canadians become more financially literate one post at a time. This is what they did not teach you in school. Hello, 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 and welcome to this week's episode of What They Did Not Teach You in School. Today, Sal Longo on his birthday is joining us. Thank you very much, Sal. And a very (laughs) special guest, Arian Bezai is on the show. I got it right this time as well. Right, okay, I'm took, getting it. Took like 15, 15 minutes. tries. We're good. Asking back and forth. It's kind of like Jeff Bezos, but the Canadian version. There you so go. The Persian the, version. The Persian version, <laughs> sure, yeah. Thanks for being on the show today. My pleasure. Thanks for having us, man. Yeah, yeah, it, uh, very yes. good. Um, before we get started, just want to say that uh, today's episode is sponsored by King Street Media. They do all the video work for us, so shout out to them. Thank you so much for helping us over the last year. And today's episode, we're going to be talking about millennial financial literacy, particularly where millennials can go to learn more about kind of this complicated world that right. is personal finance. Um, so let's dive into it. Cool. Are you cool? Yeah. I'm All ready right. to go. Arian, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where'd you grow up? Kind of what your history cool. is. What brought you to today being in this room with Sal and I? For sure. Yeah. So... Uh, I'm the vice president of a company called Enriched Academy, okay. and so I started off kind of my journey in high school, grade 10, I'm not sure if the book is here, but I read uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, yeah, and yeah, that book is just such an amazing book, and my mom hated that I read that book, because as soon as I read it, I'm like, I don't want to go to college or university, really? and yeah, it just felt like it wasn't for me, and then I was more of an active learner. What was, it, what was it about that book? That I don't know, man. He just talked about entrepreneurship, and he talked about like just creating your own future and destiny, and he mixed money into it, and I was like, this guy is, this guy is amazing. So read that book, ended up not going to college or university. Initially, I wanted to start my own company. I was like, oh, let's do it slowly realized how difficult it was just to graduate and just go start your own company like it's not that easy like a 90 how many businesses fail like nine out of ten nine out of ten businesses fail yeah let alone like you're 18 years old no money no connections no family and entrepreneurship so i decided you know what instead of going and starting my own company i'm just gonna go work for a startup and I'll go see what it's like and learn, maybe make some money, gain some experience, build a build a foundation. Good idea. Right? Where'd so you start? It kind of makes sense. And so I started at Enriched Academy. So ah. I was watching Dragon's Den one day, one of my favorite shows growing up watching. Mm-hmm. Family, we always watched it. And this company, Enriched Academy, comes on. I'm like, they, these guys are amazing. Because everything that... I was always a kid in school, like kind of like with the podcast. Like, why are we not learning about basic like life things like why am i learning about pythagorean theorem or all this stuff so (laughs) right and that's yeah yeah yeah. that's in rich academy they came on dragons and it was a bidding war between all five dragons and they ended up doing a deal but after watching the show so that's where you first uh that's that's where i first first saw them them. yeah first saw them okay and so i went on online found the owner's email address name is kevin just amazing human being how old are you at this time 18 18 looking for the 
CEO's yep. email. So I was 18 at the time. Hilarious. That's insane. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's, it's a funny story. So I emailed the owner a couple times. Like, hey, my name's Arian. Like, I'm 18 years old. I'd love to work for you guys. I'll work for free. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll do whatever you want. Like, I'll, whatever. I'll let me, I'd love to work for you. For sure. And he emailed me saying, no. Again, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was that's, oh. A, that's a, that's a uh, change up. Okay, all right. It was a diss. Like I was like, ah, no thanks. Like we tried sure. a couple students. So what I did, and this was this was the game changer. Like this is what really kind of, and I don't know where I got this from. I just kind of thought it'd be a good thing to do. So I started researching their company for the next month. Started researching their competitors, what they do, what they're not doing, and I made a 15-minute video, just like me behind a webcam. I just really? started talking like, hey, like guys, like I'm 18 years old. Like this is what I think you guys should do to make your company better. You're not doing this. You're not doing that. And I sent them the, the video. And he called me and said, hey, like no one's ever done that for us. Like we'll we'll give you a shot. And so that's kind of how I got my foot in the door. And really, wow. so how long have you been there now for? Four and a half years. Holy, that's yeah. actually a long time. It's such a long time for a millennial man. That yeah. is a long time, but. Right, and I'm treating it as my university. Like mm-hmm. I'm learning so much, and that's how I learn, like from doing things. So, mm. yeah, four and a half years. This year I was on fifty-two flights. Right, fifty-two flights. Fifty-two flights right across the country, doing presentations on personal finance and money management. But for the first year, I worked for free. Mm. Right, so yeah. I, what they have you doing? Cleaning toilets? Oh, or dude, what? I was I was calling. <laughs> I was cold calling, trying to get good at sales, just trying to like. I was a child, right? And mm-hmm. still kind of am, so. Sure, aren't we all? Yeah, there you go. So, yeah, that's kind of how I got my foot in the door. And, and then how did you start doing actual presentations for them? So, yeah, so. Because you're well-spoken, so yep. did you learn that, or was it a skill that you always had? No, I remember the, <laughs> so funny, sorry. The first presentation, my job was to book our CEO presentations to do, and he'd do them at, like, small little offices, do workshops on money. Mm-hmm. And one day I booked him a presentation. I'm like, hey, you have to go to Brampton to do this presentation. He called me like a day before. He's like, hey, you're going to have an emergency. I can't make it. Uh, you're going to have to go do the presentation. So I was 18 years old, or 19 at the time, and I went and did this presentation. Okay. And, uh, nervous or what? I was, yeah, I was, I was shitting my pants. Like, <laughs> I was, of course I was nervous. Yeah. And so that's, that's where I first got started. And I just kind of dove off the deep end and I just started getting a little bit better reading books and practicing, 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 read every book on money and personal finance. Mm-hmm. And so what was your favorite besides money master the game? Money yeah, master I agree. The game. I totally it's agree my, with that. We got, my we favorite got, book. We have unshakable over here, which is the summary version. And yeah. we it's also, not as good. No, yeah. I have the full version. I have as well. a full. Yeah. I've read that book seven times. I made notes on it. There's 20 pages. Notes. It's, it's an amazing book. So it is. Another good book, Millionaire Teacher, for like starters by Andrew Hallis. Sure. So, yeah, that's kind of okay. that's kind of my story there. So pretty and cool. Now, and now you do it full time, like the presenting uh, kind of. A yeah, thing. for sure. How many present uh, like how many workshops have you done this, this year? I know you year, said fifty two flights. Holy shit! It's wow. actually a lot. So what's your role? Pretty so I'm much? the vice president of the company. And what does that consist? So of I do a lot of like content creation. So I'm, I'm I'm really good at taking this topic of money and making it easy to digest and understand Mm -hmm. i do a lot of the the social media stuff so a little bit of everything but my main job is our our workshops how do we create workshops and create engaging content for people to watch cool that's that's similar to us (laughs) that's exactly why we had you on the show because it's a a lot of people would think like oh we're competition blah 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 right but actually i believe that there's 
there's plenty of you know oh, yeah, stuff sure. going around in Canada, and it's actually really good for us to collaborate and know each other as we go along this journey. You 100%. know, because oh, 100%. more people need to learn about financial literacy, and the more that people are out there doing it on like social media and LinkedIn and stuff like that, because I know you're big on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, the more people are going to be aware of it. It's win-win for everybody. So for thank sure. you for being on the show. Guys, thanks for having it's gonna me. Be, it's going to be... Thank you for the chocolates as well. Thanks, Naz. Mark's girlfriend, Naz, works for the company, got us some chocolates. Very, very good. All right, so uh, over the last year doing all your presentations, what surprised you the most about people's spending habits? So people's spending habits, I think, is... is out of control. Number mm-hmm. one, for every dollar we make, we're we're spending a dollar sixty nine. You know, what I think the big problem is, man. I think people don't feel the pain of mm. of money yet. You know, when the pain comes, the pain comes when you wake up seventy two years old, and you're going cleaning up your car. There's snow on your car, and you have to go to work. And you're seventy two years old. That's the pain, man. It's, <laughs> no one wants to be there. And not a good job either. Yeah, not, not a good. good job. You don't want to go to work. You want to punch your boss in the face. Like, mm-hmm. and yeah. that's the pain. That's but, a very interesting perspective. Yeah. Also, even on a micro level, too, because people don't feel the pain because it's so easy to just swipe your visa card, you know, you te- check the statement at the end of the month, that kind of a thing. So, you gotta. Yeah, I think you're, you hit it on the nose there. People don't feel the pain right away. There's no so pain, easy. man. The pain comes at 72, but at that point when you're feeling the pain, there's nothing. There's it's too real, late. It's too late, <laughs> man. There's nothing. So yeah. it's almost like it would be so cool if you could go and live a life of when you're like 65 or 70 and live a couple of days of what it's like to be paycheck to paycheck and have to work and not be able to things that you, you want to do. Mm-hmm. Cause that would motivate us now. Like I would be like, Holy shit. Like if that's what it's like, I don't know if saving. I should say, that's a great point. I don't know if I should save this for later on. Cause we're going to be talking about millennials, yeah, but sure. maybe I'll just jump right into it. I always notice when I'm chatting with millennials, it's like, we don't feel the pain, yeah. but at the same time, we're always like, when I'm 72 and on my deathbed, I don't want to look back saying I didn't go on that vacation. I didn't have those experiences at that restaurant. So it's funny because like most people I talk to and they're actually technically right in terms of like live your life, have experiences. But, you know, your life might extend from 70 to 100. And, you know, that's that's not even like a a very rare thing anymore, right? especially with advances in, in healthcare. So, you know, kind of keeping in mind experiences now, but also like I need to be able to support myself in retirement is probably a good balance strategy. That's true. Life, it's balance. It's always in the middle. <laughs> Sal and I have it's these the like extremist, extremist conversations where he'll say, you know, spend all your money today or, or vice do. versa. <laughs> right? and more likely I spend your money today and he says, oh, save it for retirement, yeah. right? And the answer is actually it's a it's a balance, always, you know. Yeah. But for some reason, right now, when it comes to spending, we're a little bit more on the live for the moment kind of uh, spectrum, sure, you know. For sure. So how do people fix that? How do people fix it? They, it really depends on your situation. Like it really does. If you're young, just starting out, every paycheck you earn, everyone's heard this. Just put twenty percent away. Mm-hmm. It's not even your money. Just just forget about it. And the eighty percent, go have fun with, man. Like go and party, go do whatever you want. But that twenty percent, just save it, right? And the reason that's powerful, it's it's guilt free spending. You're like, oh, you know what? I'm okay spending this money. I did my job. I saved my portion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the the easiest tip. If you're a little bit older, then it's it's tough. You have to really look at your situation. Do you have equity in your house? Can you maybe 
pull some equity, buy an investment property? Like, when do you want to retire? I love that term, guilt-free spending. Yeah. And I honestly, I think we should make a video on that. It's like, you know, there's nothing worse than spending all kinds of money and having cool experiences, but you're like, oh man, I don't know what my credit card is going to look like, yeah. or oh man, I'm like now not five years away from buying my first house, like 10 because of all this, you know, guilty spending yeah. I did. So that's a great way of looking at it, you know, save your money and then you'll even have better time in your experiences. You're not going to be at the bre- restaurant thinking like, I'm at STK, I'm going broke. It's going to be like, I'm at STK, I got my savings. <laughs> Give me a bottle of wine. Dude, that's so true, man. Yeah, you're enjoying it. That's true, that's true. What else else have you noticed about millennials and their financial habits? So with millennials, I think that, number one, they're really interested about money. Mm -hmm. Like, they genuinely are, but they're really trying to hit the home runs. You know, like, they're in cannabis, and they're in, like, Bitcoin and blockchain. Right, right, right. The long-term stuff is really boring. They want the now, now, now. Like, Mm -hmm. like, how do I get rich now? And the marathon is not very appealing to them at all. Like, even some of my friends, I'm like, oh, why why do you want to save? Like, like for for now, like I want I want to enjoy my money now. You mm-hmm. hear all this stuff like yeah, yeah. Drake, like twenty five sitting on twenty five. Yeah, like, that, that YOLO yeah, that the, YOLO line is great yeah, when you're Drake. partying, but it actually like literally went inside the culture. Yeah. right? it's like oh. YOLO, like any stupid actor, YOLO, right? For it's sure. like when does it stop, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So and just, I love Drake, by the way. Yeah, no, but. I do too. <laughs> a word of caution for everyone out there: if you ever say YOLO. You're about to make a really stupid financial <laughs> <laughs> You're about to do something that's really so dumb true. with your money. Oh, that's true. That's that is so true. Good. It's okay. not bad to say it. Just like be careful. Right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, like so. Back to your point. Uh, once again, really understanding that building wealth is a marathon. Mm-hmm. It's not a sprint. And millennials are interested with money. Like they want to get better with their money, but they want to to do the get rich quick. Like how do I put in ten thousand and make a hundred thousand? That's the truth. We talk about that so much because. Everyone, a lot of millennials that we sit down with, because we're also financial advisors, yep. right? We kind of do this on the side, like financial literacy, but mainly our day-to-day is working with clients. Right. And particularly, we work with millennials trying to kind of build their foundation for the future. And so many times we'll see, sit down with a client or a prospective client and see that 90% of their portfolio is either in cannabis stocks or <laughs> Bitcoin, you yeah. know, because they are looking for that instant gratification they want to turn a thousand bucks into a hundred thousand bucks but what people don't understand is with that risk you know with that reward comes risk you know for sure man you see it all over social media like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. guys getting out their lamborghini come join my webinar and like we're gonna get you this lamborghini yeah come on like that's there's a place for it but if you go back 200 years the fundamentals are the fundamentals right and and to build long-term wealth it's just it's not hard, mm-hmm. right? And that's where a lot of millennials think, oh, I need a PhD in finance. I need to be good at money. Economics and personal finance are very different, completely different, right? Sure. You don't have to be good at economics to be good at personal finance, right? You just need to understand the fundamentals to building wealth. And it's not hard. Save 10%, invest your money, control your fees, get a good rate it's of return. It's funny because um, that's another great point. I did my undergrad in finance at business school. and. You know, as I got in my first year, I'm like, can't wait. I'm excited to learn of like how to invest people's money, get yeah. my clients rich, make a good lifestyle for myself. Yeah. And the more I learned and you get into the mathematics of it and the economics, the more you learn that people don't really know what's the best investment to buy today. 
unless you're looking at the fundamentals. So long story short, it's like the more you know, the more you know that you don't know. Yeah. And now that philosophy, understanding more the math side of it, I know how risky those cryptocurrencies are and marijuana stocks and all these long shots. And that is not for the case for a lot of people making decisions with investing their money in there which has some serious consequences. For right? sure, man. Oh, that's a great point. Um, so. To the education side of things, because yep. personal finance actually isn't that difficult. Yep. And uh, unlike Sal, I didn't go to a, an undergrad in finance. I actually did it in uh, health science at yep. York. And some of the things that we learned there on the psychology side of things actually have been more applicable than some of my formal courses on economics and whatnot because of uh, things like cognitive biases, which is people wanting instant gratification or not being able to see 10 years into the future, you know, so they want to live for today because they can't see the repercussions or uh, FOMO, you know, fear of missing out in investing with herd behavior is a really big thing, right? Because you see someone or friend talk about how they made $10,000 in a week investing in cryptocurrency and you want to do the same thing, right? Even though that person may not have told you that they lost a lot of money in different investments, they make sure. that $10,000, you the know? The gambler's fallacy. So I implement a lot of that stuff and we talk about uh, psychology on the show often because more often than not, psychology has a lot to do with personal finance more than what you were saying, economics and stuff. It's huge, You know? Yeah. When it comes to educating people and people out there that want to learn themselves, what would you say is the best place for someone wanting to get started learning about personal finance? Where would they go? So, yeah, if you want to learn about personal finance, like, here's the thing that, that I have a real big problem with, with personal finance out there. People make, like, Money Master the Game, you want to take the average person to read that book, they're going to fall asleep halfway through. How many it. pages is it? Like, like 700 pages. 700, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? And most money is so complicated and dry and boring, like, let's show you a graph. And it's like, oh, my gosh, like, I want to fall asleep. So... <laughs> It's, it's really important with the education that you try to make it entertaining, right? So there that's are... That's the difficult part. That's the difficult part, right? And that's like, that's what, like, I don't want to give a plug here, but that's really what Enriched Academy, that's the secret sauce. Mm-hmm. We take this topic of money that's so damn boring and we make it fun. Like, we give examples of Will Smith. And, like, a lot of people don't know Will Smith, brink of bankruptcy, um, first three seasons of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Really? He had creditors calling him. Every paycheck he earned... When he was on Fresh Prince, government would take it. I didn't know that. Yeah, and and he's a huge advocate for financial literacy now. But he said, there's a quote, he says, I made my first million at the age of 19. The problem was I spent my first two million by the time I was 20. Right? <laughs> it's like a good quote. Yeah, yeah, so exactly. like using examples like that, man, like using examples like, like... I know a few people that would do that. Yeah, no, for sure. But using fun examples, 78% of NFL players brink a bankruptcy two years after retiring. Insane. It's insane. Say that again. 78% of NFL players. NFL players brink a bankruptcy two years after retirement. And these are guys making tens millions of millions. of dollars. Mm-hmm. Like, Huge. Yeah. 70% of lottery winners bankrupt after three years. I've heard that 70%. <laughs> and when you, it's crazy. It's crazy. But when you use examples like this, man, that's where, where especially millennials, they, they get it. You know what I mean? They get it. Instead of, okay, if you save 10% and an 8% return this. over like 10 years, you're going to get like a 200,000. Like, what is that? What is that? You got you to make it fun for a man. You got to so speak their so language. You have we to always speak. like to make it kind of 
all this knowledge that we're talking about, maybe a lot of people don't always listen to it, but they'll listen to certain tidbits. So that whole conversation we had, I heard a quote before, and it's something like this, and correct me, hopefully it's not wrong, I'm just paraphrasing here. It's something like, it takes any fool to get rich, it takes a wise man to stay rich. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that goes to the NFL players that have this amazing talent, like, God, universe-given talent, whatever you believe yeah. in, like luck, and they they could crush it and make tens of millions of dollars, but, you know, if they don't have that financial literacy, they're not going to keep the wealth. And, you know, we even know of, uh, even Mike Tyson, how many yeah. millions of dollars did he earn over the course of his career? Hundreds, I think I hundreds think. of yeah. millions of dollars. The guy is broke. Yep. And he's still now grinding to try to get back a little so, bit of his lifestyle. So what is that? What is the reason? Because I say the same thing to my clients too, right? Like, I have been doing this since I was 18 years old, so seven years now. I used to work at a bank, whatever, and I used to see a lot of clients coming in on a regular basis, plus my family and, like, friends and whatnot too. And what I see is that it's pretty universal that throughout someone's life, almost everyone gets the opportunity to make a lot of money. Yeah. And it I, doesn't matter how smart you are, what industry or job you're doing, I see everyone gets an opportunity to make a substantial amount of money. The real difference that I see is that not everybody keeps that money. Yeah. And, it has to, and I tell everyone this, all my clients, it's easy to get rich, it's hard to stay rich. You yeah. know? So what do you think is the reason why all these NFL players are yeah. going broke and Will Smith has no money yeah, and he's making sure. millions of dollars? Yeah, no, I, I think what it is, it's being rich versus being wealthy. And that difference right there is everything. What is the difference? So being rich is you work hard for money. The harder you work, the more money you make. And you, you, you're you really good at earning money. Mm -hmm. Being wealthy is your money works for you, right? So you can stop working and still have income come in from different investments. You got real estate, private lending deals. You got stock markets. And that's what it is. These people, they're rich, man. They're rich. But as soon as they stop working, the money stops coming in. Mm -hmm. And they're in this trap. Lottery winners. They got... There's this equation of building wealth. Part one, you need to learn how to make money. Part two, you need to learn how to save and invest the money you make. That's simple. You want to build parts? That's it. That's it. There's no part three. You couldn't no, wrap it up with a no, part three for that's me. That's literally <laughs> it. That's all you have to do. You got to learn how to make it, and you need to learn how to save and invest it. Oh yeah, that's I want it. definitely great points. I want to bring it back. We have some. We have some viewers here that are not cold-hearted capitalists like the three of us, and they might be here. They might, they might hear things like, we're saying like, it's easy to get rich. Well, it's not easy to get rich. Let's be honest here, right? Like the odds are, but what we're saying is, you know, there are a lot of ways in this great country that we live in, especially in Toronto, that you can make a six-figure income if you work hard. Yep. And there's no reason a person making even 70000 plus a year, you know, even in their, in their um, middle age, can accumulate a lot of wealth to become wealthy, yeah. right? It's not how much you make, it really is how much you keep, yeah, right? I, and that's something we preach. That's a huge point right there. The amount of people that I've met that are making $60,000, $70,000 a year that have a higher net worth than people making two fifty, three hundred thousand, dollars $300,000, unreal. Hmm. I see True. it every single day. It's not how much you make, it's what you do with what you make. And it comes back to, we see it, especially with those two, three hundred thousand dollars 300000 a year, yeah. it's like, who, you're two, you're making two three hundred thousand a year. So you're a professional. You're either like some lawyer. You're doing if you're in finance, you're doing really well at a job. If you're in real estate, you're doing like commercial deals. Yep. You're doing well. Now, who are your friends? Well, there are other lawyers, and 
you know, other people doing well, CEOs and VPs, like, well, when you guys go out, it's not going to be, let's go for a coffee. It's going to be like, let's go get that steak at name that bougie restaurant. And it's a great lifestyle, right? And you're leasing more cars and stuff. The thing is, is, you know, we always talk about like, we use wealth as a means to live a good life, like have adventure, save for retirement, give to your kids, leave a legacy. That's what money is like for for us on the show. And when you talk about where that money is going in terms of these people making two, 300,000 that are not savings, a lot of it is, it's just to keep up with their lifestyle. And their lifestyle is not necessarily making them any happier. Like just because you have an A7 Audi and not an A3, you're like, like it's a bit more comfortable. It's a bit cooler. You might get a couple more looks on the road. I hope you're single if you're a guy. Like that's probably a temptation you don't even want. But like, it's almost like you know, what's that money going towards? Sure. Right. So. Okay. Oh, that's great. Very point. interesting. I love. Okay, so uh, let's go into a little bit about what our main topic is for today, and it is. We've established that a lot of investing in personal finance has to do with psychology, particularly on the how much money do you make and how much money do you save equation, you know? Um, But when people do start saving the money, how best is it for them to invest that money? Well, let's talk about options here, okay? Because there's so many options out there. I was watching, I rarely watch TV, but I was watching a Leaf game the other day. And there was like six different different companies advertising on the commercial uh, on the commercial break about their investment platform there was rbc there was fidelity, simple fidelity, there was fidelity's yeah. etfs there was investors group inve- uh, about their new platform or whatever i think td was on there too cibc and i'm like oh, and all of them were saying different value propositions about their platform right so how do people kind of get through all of that and what are the basic options for people to invest their money yeah, no, it's a great question. I think the first really thing, as cheesy as this sounds, is education. Like, take the time. It doesn't have to be a long time. Read maybe a book or two on money so you have a level of education. Because with money, the best way to look at it, money is like a language. Mm-hmm. It really is. And the reason so many people are scared or intimidated, they don't know what to do, no one taught them how to speak this language growing up, right? And, right. and I think another challenge a lot of millennials have, they say, oh, as I get older... I'm just going to get better with my money. That's like me saying as I get older, I'm just going to pick up Mandarin. Right? Like, I don't know how to speak Mandarin. i got to go sit down and learn how <laughs> to speak If you want to learn, I'd love to join that class. There I'm you go. About it. We'll do that one day. <laughs> but like, that's money. Money is a language, right? And if you're scared of money, it's because no one taught you how to speak it. So the first step is learn the language of money. The basics. You don't have to go take a course on finance, but read maybe a book or two. What would you What would you say? I know we've talked about books yeah. before, but if you could recommend like a beginner's book, first book to pick yeah. up, what would it be? Millionaire Teacher by Andrew Hallen. Okay. Canadian. It's all Canadian. That's a good place to start. Okay. Good. Um. So yeah, I would I would start there, and then in my opinion, if you asked me three years ago, I would say do your own investing, like through ETFs and stuff. Today, if you really don't want to be kind of hands off and you your education is low to medium or even medium, I would say robo-advisor. Mm-hmm. Go well simple. Low fee, ETFs. All right, so let's dive into each of those options. Okay? Yeah. Because uh, to me, you have three options, particularly if you want to make them really broad. Yeah. One is you do it yourself, just like you said. Yeah. Right? And depending on what you want to do, you're investing in stocks, but the smart way of doing it is ETFs. ETFs, for sure. And then the second way is a robo-advisor, which is pretty much an ETF, but... 
It's a little bit more expensive because they do the asset allocation for you. An ETF is mimicking a certain index, right? So how much do you put on the Toronto index versus the Asian indexes or the European indexes or the three different United States indexes, right? How much do you put into each one? And that's kind of what a robo-advisor will do for you. They'll asset allocate that across all of those ETFs. Also bonds are important. In, in and they don't advisor. just, they don't just do it, you know, based on uh, gut feeling that a lot of investors do. Yeah, Unfortunately, sure. humans, we, they use like complex algorithms, right? That yep. are backed by, uh, mm-hmm. in their software. So yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then the third option is kind of like on the other end of the spectrum of doing it yourself and it's using a financial planner. Right. Right. So let's talk about each one and what the pros and cons are of each cool. one. Okay. So let's start off with doing it yourself. Let's yeah. bat that one out of the air. Right oh away. my goodness. I'm cringing right now because <laughs> I've seen, I've worked even in private banking at TV yeah. and stuff. I've seen the highest of the highest net worths. The guy that no one sees, but maybe their wife and assistant. And like these guys that even tried doing it themselves, just because they're smart doesn't mean they do it well. And I've seen the you know upper to middle class like our uh, most of our clients and my network and stuff and they some of them that try to manage their own money make a lot of big mistakes right and it's funny it's like we have so much so many blind spots when we're investing our own money you don't know what you don't know yeah right and that comes with finance so as soon as he's saying invest your own money i'm already cringing right i don't even want to promote the benefits but nonetheless let's start with the benefits let's really quickly go about the benefits so one it's a little bit more fun it's fun because a lot of people are passionate about investing and it's kind of like a hobby to them should it be fun though it's your money we'll get there in a second for sure but it's kind of like a hobby to them so they like doing it they like reading bloomberg every morning and whatever the case is right it's also low cost yeah you know so it's the cheapest way of doing it but i always say you know i could build a deck in my backyard by going to home depot buying the raw materials bringing it to my backyard and doing it myself right or you could kind of get like a professional deck builder to build that for you and the differences are pretty evident yeah so any other pros that you could think of? you know what i I, so i do all my own investing but once again this is my field like this is like my job and and so i have a really high level of knowledge on how to do it i think the another pro would you you're just learning a little bit more about money you're really studying etfs and once again like when People first hear this, like I'm trying to put myself as like an outsider, never heard money. Like mm-hmm. you're hearing ETFs, asset allocations. <laughs> like, like what are these people? It's really another language. Yeah, like yeah. we're speaking another language. So that's why, once again, I go back to take the time to learn this language and just the basic concepts, ETFs, mutual funds, asset allocation, rebalancing, right? And people are like- Value. You value, gotta learn right? value. <laughs> and all these different concepts, it's important to learn those. But yeah, no, I'm, I agree with you guys. Like quick story uh, we did a workshop like two years ago on how to do your own investing it's part of our event that we do so we mm-hmm. do these huge events talk about real estate understanding credit markets how to do your own investing and robo advisors mm-hmm. so we're talking about like hey here's some interesting here are the top etfs in canada mm-hmm. you know vanguard you know iShares, and so the one of our the most popular one vfv it's a vanguard share oh. to the s p 500 mm-hmm. so you yeah, buy yeah. this one stock or this one index fund and in it, you have 500 of the largest and most successful American companies, like the best of the best, the top CEOs. So it's VFV. Now this one person came to our event, learned it, went home, opened up their online account, and emailed me, hey, like, I don't know what's going on. Like, this one keeps losing me money. I'm like, what? Like, how is it losing you money? And so she invested in VFC. 
was like, yeah, what was it? What it was, was it? it was a footwear apparel company. Like, it, <laughs> that person she, should not be investing yeah, on their own. Yeah, she put like three thousand dollars, and then that's where once again the value of a robo advisor comes in. So, if, I I don't recommend doing it on your own, like you guys. Yeah. If, if a robo advisor just makes so much sense. I want to jump into what Sal said, and it's should people be investing on their own? And frankly speaking, I know I know the stat is like 16% of people invest on their own. Yeah. Very, very few people should invest on their own, period. And I mean I less than 16%. I and agree. The, and, the, and the real reason has to do with psychology and the fact that you cannot look at yourself objectively and uh, give yourself criticism. You know? Yeah. Like, I'll tell Alfio to chew with his mouth closed or something like that. I don't actually say that, but you know, tell someone to choose with their chew with their mouth closed and then you'll be chewing with your mouth open. For sure. You know? For it's sure. easier to give criticism than to give it to yourself. I agree. So for that reason alone, not a lot of people have the emotional the EQ in order to invest on their own. Mm-hmm. It's very, very difficult to do so. Also people don't have the time. The necessary amount of time in order to do what it <laughs> takes in order to invest on their own. Yep. Um, anything else you want to talk about that? Um, no, that's it for that platform. All right, let's so move let's, to Robo Advisors. That's that's going to be an interesting one. So let's talk about Robo Advisors. I know there's Wealth Simple out there. There's Nest Wealth. Can you explain really quickly what a Robo Advisor is for our audience? Yeah. So a Robo Advisor, basically, what they did because before your only two options were to do it on your own and then get a financial planner. Exactly. Uh, the challenge, once again, the fees are totally separate. Usually financial planners, a little bit more money on your own is very, very cheap. Yeah. There's no middle ground. Mm-hmm. And that's what a robo-advisor does. They take all the things to be a successful investor that's on your own you have to do. Like if you want to do your own investing, I'll give you an idea of what it looks like. This is what I do each month. Buy the same ETFs each month. You know, you have to make sure you rebalance every six months. But make sure your asset allocation is okay. Mm-hmm. Tax loss harvesting. There's so many different things you have to do. And what robo-advisors do is they use technology and they do that all for you. Instead of mutual funds, they use index funds. They also have a fiduciary standard, which is huge. What huge, does that huge. mean, fiduciary so standard? Fidu- yeah, so fiduciary standard is by law they have to act in your best interest. Yeah. They're portfolio managers. They're not allowed to put you into funds that aren't in your best interest. They have to by law. That's one of the best things about Canada because it's not everywhere in the world. Yep. But pretty much every financial institution, pretty much in Canada, has that fiduciary responsibility. Yep. You have, they have to act in your best interest. So they're not going to put you in high fee mutual funds, none of that. All mm-hmm. index funds and ETFs. And so, yeah, it's just very easy. And they, they do all the heavy lifting for you. Now, it does come with the price. They do charge, but it's a reasonable fee. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah, so. yeah, so just so everyone knows out there, usually ETFs are like 0.2%. Yeah. 0.2%. I'd probably pay like point, like 0.1. Yeah. Like on like the Really ETFs. cheap. Yeah. And then uh, a robo-advisor would cost something like 0. 0.6, 0. 0.7, yep. as high as 1%, you yeah. know? So the big difference in price there. So uh, let's talk about the pros and the cons of robo-advisors. Do you want to start, Sal, with some of the pros? Yeah, I think Iarian just touched on some of the pros. Obviously, it's um, they're going to make it very easy for you. You open an account, it's all being portfolio is done. You yep. have to construct it. They rebalance. They're looking a little bit about the tax situation. We'll get into that more with the financial sure. planner side. Um, you know, obviously, and the investments are quite solid in terms of what they're picking. They're not too risky. You know, they're usually in line with your risk tolerance. Mm-hmm. And it's really just peace of mind with the robo-advisor. Yeah, definitely. 
and yeah. the, the robo advisor kind of takes care of it yourself, asks you a bunch of questions on your risk tolerance and everything, yep. and then invests for you. Can't get better than that, I think. For and sure. Like you said, like if you're if you're starting out, robo advisor is the way to go. I think so. And 100%. for most people, overdoing it yourself, robo advisor. Yeah. Because, because investing on your own is actually quite boring, and it takes a lot of discipline. Oh, very you know. Boring. So after six months of doing the same old thing, some people will be like, maybe I'm going to do a little bit of this yeah. pharmaceutical company or, you know, <laughs> and true. that's where problems start to start to arise. Any you know? other benefits of the robo-advisor before we get into the cons? I think you guys got it. Like, eliminates human mistakes, all those things. Yeah. So. Yeah. Let's go cons okay. of the robo-advisor. It's an interesting one. Yeah. Because there are still things that the robo-advisor doesn't do yet as we speak, it's 2018, that humans can do. And it really is what happens when the markets correct or mm -hmm. go down significantly. That to me is when there needs to be a lot of the time a human interaction of comforting and listen, don't sell now that things are going down and everyone in the world, including your neighbors telling you they just sold because you're gonna lose money and For you're not sure. gonna ride the wave on the way up. We in the finance industry know how important that is. People that are investing their money don't. And they think if I pull out while it's already going down, I'll lose less money than if I keep it in. Right. Wrong. You're gonna lose more money because you should wait until things like they always do. History repeats itself. The macro economy, you know, kind of does better and things like that. So for me, Robo-advisors are great. I still think there needs to be some more comforting Because that's, that's the coaching. thing. Uh, ETFs and robo-advisors have not seen a bear market yet. Because like pretty 2008, much, like a serious because one. Because pretty much they started after 2008, you know? So I'm interested to see how that plays out. Also, the difference between ETFs and mutual funds. It's not a matter of if... Uh, like w which one you want to use and I'd love to hear your opinion on yeah. this when I when I say it because uh, it's something that I've been worried about for some of my clients so the difference between ETFs and mutual funds is that ETFs mimic the market and they're traded like a stock yeah. so um, the supply and demand of whom how many people want to buy it and how many people want to sell it makes the price of the ETF right. now with mutual funds on the other hand they have a portfolio manager that has individual securities inside the portfolio. And I know I don't want to get too over people's heads and yeah. stuff, but a portion of that is cash. Yeah. So how does that benefit people? If the stock market, let's say the Toronto stock market starts to go down, the ETF is going to mimic it exactly, right? But with a mutual fund, if the, if the stock market goes down, the portfolio manager is already predicting this, such as right now valuations are really high so a lot of portfolio managers keeping a large portion an unusually large portion of money in cash yeah, yeah. so this is definitely a, a debate of active versus passive yeah management. i just want to I, I don't want to go i just want to explain it for a second because it's <laughs> sure. somewhat important right so like the robo advisors typically only use etfs so that right. it's they gonna, will rebalance though the yeah, robo advisors will, will rebalance will. so just, what so what i'm saying is that when the stock market does go down and people start panicking and selling, it'll only make it worse because everyone is going to be selling their investments and whatnot, yeah. right? So there is something to say about a financial advisor using being able to say you should use this money, which is long-term in ETFs, and this money, which is a little bit more short-term in mutual funds. For sure. 
True. One thing, maybe you've guys researched it on your side of things. Yep. I would love if I was like doing a PhD in finance, this would be my topic. Yeah. And it'd be something to do with ETFs only work because the markets are efficient. We can agree. Yeah. Right? So what ha why are markets efficient? Well, in finance, the theory goes markets are efficient because people, thousands of people are doing research on every individual stocks. So now what happens as more money goes into ETFs? Yeah. Less money goes to the active managers, the analysts, there's less analyst jobs, there's less CFAs right. because this ETF, you know, robo-advisor market's growing. Now that's great. But in my head, I'm like, the only reason why this matrix is working, this ETF of passive management, is because it's working off of all the research. Does that make any sense? Yeah. So one thing I like, I would love to research, or I encourage, even if we have someone in the audience that ever thought about this, maybe I'm going too off in the deep end here, is will ETFs work indefinitely, or are they only working because they're pretty much just playing the field right. of the active managers. They're kind of getting all the benefits of the active managers yeah. working the wave without actually experiencing any. No, it's interesting. No. interesting. Well, ETFs have been around, like Jack Bogle introduced them in 19, like they've been around for like 40 plus years. Mm -hmm. But they, so, when did they start getting big? Like, like they, re yeah, recently, but, okay. but they have been around for, for, sure. for 40 plus years and historically, they have outperformed mutual Absolutely. funds. Absolutely. My okay. thing is like, and that's great, and I believe in that. I believe that too. Yeah. It's just the, it's the psychology yeah. of My it. thing is what happens when the ETF market gets so big that there's no more active managers. So now, yeah. what is the price of TD stock? No one really knows because there's no one really doing the research. Well, you know, there's, there's things for that, like software and algorithms would probably right. answer my question in that. But it's like, would people deploy them as much if everyone's just investing in the whole market? Yeah. Interesting. Really interesting. So, words, only time will tell. On time will tell on that. Yep. But the thing is, to your point on uh, it outperforming, yeah. it actually does outperform yeah, mutual funds over the long term. But the thing that it is is that you're assuming that someone has stayed in the investment the entire time. Exactly, and that's once again that's the huge point of the psychology mm -hmm. of it, right? Because. Man, even you look at the elections yesterday, midterm elections, like you're doing your own investing, you're like freaking out, like, oh, shit, like, should I just sell all my money and wait till the elections, like, then <laughs> yeah. invest again? Well, if, you took, if you took your money out, then you would have lost. I think the markets are up 1-2% today. Oh, so I would love to check. Yeah, they're, they're up. I right, checked this. So, same thing. We've had the worst October, a couple really bad weeks. Mm -hmm. If you took your money out, we it almost, it didn't recover, but it did a really good yeah, job of recovering. Yeah, so. That. So and that and that goes into now the human advisor. Yeah, I would love because because that's the debate right now. Yeah, everyone is talking about robo advisor versus human advisor. Yeah, right. And honestly, it depends on the. I think it depends on the situation. But I'd love to hear like your perspective I agree. on that. No, I agree. I think if you have the more complicated your situation, the more value someone comes. In my opinion, a hundred thousand to maybe a million or two million. Robo advisor, anything above that, it's worth paying a financial planner. Yeah, hundred percent. Because there's tax strategies, there's all these different things that you could do. Our CEO, like he he has a, a financial planner, super happy, pays 0.8 percent, mm -hmm. right? And on top to manage his money uh, yeah. on the management fee, and yeah. he's got seven seven figures plus right there. So, and it's worth it. He's talking about 
they do like investments into highways, like high, like they do crazy private, alternative private investments, investments, private like private investments that mm-hmm. we don't have access to. Mm-hmm. So that's my opinion. Zero to one million, maybe one point five, robo. On top of that, then you go into financial planners. The okay. more complicated your situation, the more value. Yeah, here's here's my uh, perspective on that because it's I don't think that it's that simple. Right. Because. And I'll let you answer as well your opinion on it. It it has to do one with a lot. It has a lot to do with preference, not right. just numbers. Because That's true as well. and and I, I we were talking about this on the phone yeah. the other day because I was saying that although I'm not seven worth seven figures, would I rather go to the Comfort Inn around the corner or would I rather go to the Marriott? Right. You know, and it has to do with preference on service level. Because oh. even for my even for some of my own clients as well, people have two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, but they're smart enough with their accountant or whatever the case is to invest in a robo advisor. But what, if someone has two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in a in a portfolio, that means they probably have a primary residence. You know, they might have a rental property. They might have pension like um, RSPs or a pension at work. They might have life insurance issues that they need help with debt debt stuff like mortgages and whatnot and having a financial planner to kind of just holistically take a look at that mm-hmm. even at two hundred and fifty thousand dollars is useful for right. some people can i kind of go into like now what i what i think about it please like for, yes. no you're not so, so okay. for, for um you know in terms of in terms of like the human advisor, I've yet to see right now, and I think robo advisors has its place. I hope the industry gets as good as the robo advisor is giving me a call to comfort me if the market crashes. Yeah. I hope we get there. I think technology is great. Until then, the robo advisor right now, you know, they might do some sort of strategies in terms of using registered accounts right. or not. But there's a lot of gaps in the market, and that's not just me talking. Yeah. A lot of the commentary. Maybe it's just because they work financial firms. We could get all conspiracies saying they want to, you know, want more money with the wealth advisors. But really, you know, we talk about the role of the human advisor. It's not investment management anymore. It's coaching to your financial goals. It's being that counselor to say, you know, what's really important to you and what are we saving for? It's knowing your tax situation. Yep. It's getting you in touch with the right professional, lawyer, accountant, etc. It's working with you to build an estate plan and how you're going to leave a legacy. Right? So, when we talk about investing money, I completely agree. I think, you know, I read it in the, I read it in my last year of undergrad when I was doing my finance. I wanted to be a portfolio manager. Nice. And in the economist that year, the title I was I subscribed to the Economist because like I want to be a portfolio manager yeah. man so I got the Economist it was like the <laughs> third week or something that I got this Economist magazine because I'm trying to be the portfolio manager the title of the Economist magazine was Death of the Portfolio Manager <laughs> and I remember I'm like, that one I'm like are you <laughs> freaking kidding me so I end up reading this I'm like this maybe it just means you know whatever. And they're talking about, you know, the markets being efficient and robo-advisor, blah, blah, blah. They're absolutely correct. Humans, probably, for the most of us, you know, maybe Warren Buffett outperforms. Humans don't outperform algorithms and robots. It's just we don't have the mental capacity and cognitive ability to be a machine computer. However, 
computers as of now, 2018, do not have the emotional intelligence yeah. to coach our clients, to make sure they're making the right decisions for them, to help them when things get tough. And I think there is value in that, you know, like whether it's, it's finance, law, even real estate, like different services, you can go do it your own using technology. But a lot of the time, there's a lot of value that people don't see because they're just jumping on the technology wave. If, I, if anyone's listening here, hopefully there's a lot of people on right now, I would say be careful to jump in the technology curve too soon. Use it, but don't abuse it kind of deal. Yeah, because uh, everyone always says, oh, technology is going to take my job, you know? No, and, I, I and, don't think so. And what it actually, technology actually does is it removes the mundane things that us humans suck at yeah because we get tired and doing the same thing over and over again is not our cup of tea it's robots cup yeah. of teas and it allows us to do the things that we're good at yeah you know so in the case of the robo advisor a robo advisor only does one thing and right. it's invest your money yeah right there's so much more there is so much more yeah. right there exactly as you were saying before like budgeting, ta- budgeting taxes coaching alone telling someone like I always say, the I, behavioral psychology, the behavioral psychology of things. I always say when everyone gets their tax return in April, I'm always the one that goes, don't, Alfiel, don't buy that new camera because Alfiel's my client and don't buy that new camera, Alfiel, but put, put, put some of it away <laughs> and you put half of it away and you took some and you did a little whatever he did with it. All right. Right. And that alone, <laughs> I invested in my film. yeah, he invested in his film. Right? Hey, that's so a, for his that's future. a big asset. It's a future, but that alone, right calculate the, the price or whatever but that coaching alone kind of like gets you there now you could take throw that subjective stuff out of the way but getting back to what sal was saying because i want to get back to what sal was saying but very quickly i want to go back to you as well because you said zero to a million did you mean net worth or investment investments because someone because what i'm thinking yeah. is that someone who has five hundred thousand dollars of investable assets yeah. is very actually very rare not many no, people have that's that what much I mean. money. And that's, you know? that's what I mean. So, you know, no, I, I think the what's coming, it's huge in the U.S., the hybrid. Yeah. And you were talking yeah, about yeah, you guys hybrid, are, exactly. it's, it's a financial planner along with the robo-advisor. Exactly. Tax, budgeting, coaching, education, all those things for everyday people, critical. And then the investment side, they're kind of going over the mutual funds and using these robo-advisors. So exactly. it was exciting that you guys are doing that with your clients and the robo-advisors. Yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think a hybrid, true. the hybrid of the two is, is the future. It's, working. Yeah. it's funny because I read a lot on this and they're even yeah. saying like, there could be like, your financial planner could even be like your realtor and stuff. And like, that's kind of, you know, we offer various services. We work with lawyers and accountants. Yeah. We try to make it very easy yeah. in-house because, you know, no one really needs to be looking at, you know, your individual investments yeah. anymore, which is a great thing. But for people that have like under $100,000 of investable assets that work nine to five jobs, they get the same pay, they're kind of like starting out, going with a robo-advisor is pretty much your best bet because it depends though, again, on the preference. And, and your education, you your level. Your education level is huge. If you're like medium to high, then you're good. But mm-hmm. if you really don't know what you're doing, then True. it Maybe might be useful use. to get a coach. But that's why I really, really push education, mm-hmm. right? It's Absolutely. so important. Educate yourself, educate, educate, educate. Cause the higher your education, the higher your confidence and you're more likely not to make I'd mistakes. like to leave it with this is that it's much more difficult than you think. For That's sure. all I got. No, or not that. difficult. It's a lot more 
it's a lot more complicated than you think. It's not like, oh, you fall into this bucket, you should do it on your own or a robo-advisor or a financial planner. It's a lot to do with preference yep. and um, your, your individual emotions. situation. Yeah. yeah. Because like I said, even if you have under $100,000, but you like the idea that someone is just going to do it all for you, even if it's 2.5%, whatever MER and management fee, you tell that person's going to take care of it. And I don't have to worry about it at all. Some people find value in that, you know, where the other end is some people like doing it on their own, but they don't want to do all the work. Like you were saying before in month over month, investing in all your ETFs and whatnot, robo advisor is good for that situation. It's a difficult question. You know, it is. that's it's why a, there's so much, debate, that's why there's so much. I'm against the 2.5% right fee, no matter where you are. <laughs> 2.5 is too high. Yeah, yeah. Right, Canada, we got an F in terms of the fees that we pay and our lack of transparency. Yeah, the so. problem, the lack of transparency is really big. That's why it's all changing slowly. Yeah. But it's that's interesting, too, because like 2.5%, they have to make it economic for the advisor. I agree, but most right. of that money is going to the mutual fund. I know. Not well, the actual The advisor, mutual fund right? is usually like 1%, no? I think it's 1, 1.5, the mutual fund company, and then the advisor brokerage, 1%. right? So the yeah. actual yeah. individual isn't really... After it's all spread out, admin fees, like it goes everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. So it's the mutual fund companies that are really yeah, doing yeah. well. And it's because they have, to, they have to pay for the portfolio yeah, managers the and all that stuff. Active traders, yeah. So I'm going to be interested to see over the next like three years how that hybrid plays out in Canada. Because yeah. Wealth Simple started a new platform called Wealth Simple for Advisors that is taking that hybrid approach. Yeah. So. And they have, like, well, simple, you could go online, like, they, you get a dedicated financial expert, and if you want, you could call them, I've spoken to them, and they have email, you could chat with them. It's not as personal as someone, and sure. they don't do more than just investing, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. budgeting is huge, like, understanding credit cards, even that, your education, goals, insurance, your goal, insurance, taking estate planning, real estate, per, like, investing, all So much stuff. more, yeah. man, so much more to money. Yeah. Money is not just investing, it's yeah. one portion of it. Okay, I don't want to beat the dead horse here, but... Anything else you guys would like to say about those three I'm options good on that. before we move on? Good on I could that. literally talk here for hours. I know. I'm sure you could as I well. I can too. <laughs> okay, I can too. We'll, we'll cut the camera. We'll keep the discussion Yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll pull out the beers and we'll <laughs> talk about this yes, for a couple exactly. more hours, all right? <laughs> so um, moving on, if you do have any more questions, reach out to us, DM us. We're always We're here to help you. you. Uh, Arian as well. Yeah, what, what are we doing for time, Alfio? Uh, we're probably at so 30. What is it? 120? Okay, so let's let's uh, let's minutes. let's wrap this up over here. All right, so where can people find you? LinkedIn. I'm huge on LinkedIn. I do nice little micro content, like a minute, two minutes long, just on sweet, just on money, right? What can you do? Making it a little bit fun, making it entertaining, and so okay. yeah. Instagram as well. Instagram, I know you guys yeah, do, do some good videos. Yeah, if on you want to follow Enriched Academy on Instagram, no, Instagram is huge on Enriched. So yeah. Okay, sweet. And then I'm going to ask the last question. Yes. It's the question that we ask every guest on the show. Yes. um, Because we have a lot of people that come out here from different industries. Yep. Uh, Like I was saying, we had a travel blogger on here from a mortgage broker to a realtor to an investment person. To to a politician. To a politician. (laughs) Yep. Um, So we always end with this question. Being a master in any field requires a deep understanding of things that most probably other people don't even know exist or care to learn about. Right. If there was one thing that you knew was true that you wish everyone else knew, being in the position that you are, yeah. what would it be? Ooh. And when you answer it, look into that camera right over into there. That. Okay, is this for millennials or is this for like anyone? Like anyone? Yep. All right. So, 
can keep it millennials if you want to make it. I got the, the one that the one tip that I know for sure works is see it had a huge impact on my life is don't be afraid to work for free. Like I work for free to gain that experience, build relationships, build a foundation for yourself. Uh, the other one, more money related, if I could say about money, is sure. it's ri- it's not how much money you make, it's what you do with that money. That is my biggest, biggest tip. I love it. Yeah. And you were a big advocate the whole show in terms of engaging with the audience, saying yeah. you guys need to educate yourself. Read books, Huge. follow Enriched, follow you on LinkedIn, <laughs> follow the wise if you don't yeah. already. You know? yeah. The, <laughs> other thing, yeah, no, the other thing I'll say, like, if, you, if we left, and imagine we see Warren Buffett, just Warren Buffett, third richest guy, is worth seventy billion. Imagine we just saw him walking around, and you go up to him, you're like, "Oh my gosh, like Warren Buffett, what are you doing here? Like, why are you in, why are you in Toronto?" That would be so, unreal. That would be unreal. <laughs> He'd probably be like, "I bought the place. Like, I just bought Toronto. I was a little bored." But you ask him, Warren, you talk about ETFs because he's a big advocate about it. You talk about real estate. What's the best investment I can make? He's gonna say, "Invest in yourself. Invest in self education." And that's wow. the third richest person, $70 billion. Mm-hmm. It's like, invest in as much as yourself as you can. You're your biggest asset by far. This is his quote. So, I love yeah. it. Protect Area. your brain. Invest in yourself. There you go. I might not drink as much as I planned tonight. <laughs> Happy birthday, by the way, <laughs> man. You, that's, that's Arian, <laughs> love it. Thank you so much. Thank you friend. for having us. Thank, Thank you, guys. Thanks. 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 Thanks for Salvatore. Us. And Alfio, we're out. Boom. Thanks, guys. Thank, Thank you, man. Thanks for having us. for tuning in to this week's episode hope you enjoyed it be sure to follow us on instagram at the wise investor until next time this is what they did not teach you in school we hope to see you soon <laughs>